Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. Good morning, Coastline! Good morning! That was pretty dang good, guys. It is a fabulous day in the house of the Lord. I am so excited about Advent. You know what, you guys, I went to dinner with Fran and my friend Melanie last night, and I came home, and God bless my boys. Like, for those of you who don't know, I have an 18-year-old son, which means I have 10 18-year-old sons and and girlfriends. And they got the Christmas tree out and started decorating it. By the end of today, it will look like Christmas has vomited all over my house. So excited! Announcements. So Wednesday morning, or no, Thursday. You know what? I have this paper, and I mess up the announcements every Sunday. I mean, it's just my gift. Okay, so, oh, it doesn't matter because I know the women's Bible study is Thursday morning. It has been Thursday morning for 10 years. So, anyway. We are doing a study by um, Jennifer Rothschild, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Amos, and it's fabulous. And mm-hmm. it, you know, even if you didn't sign up, drop into that class. The videos are amazing. And what I super like about it—I don't know if I've said this before—if you get the book, there's a page in the back that allows you to watch the videos for free. Like in the past when we've done studies, it costs like five bucks or something, but these are free, which I've enjoyed because I've been out of town, but I'm here, yay. And the boys are taking a slight pause in their study, so Pastor Wallace will be letting y'all know when that's going to start again. So now Linda is going to do that. Woohoo! We get crazy here, don't we? And it's okay. <laughs> Thank you, Teresa. Um, I would like to invite Stefan and Randall up. They're going to do the first candle of Advent. Something I learned this week that when you see Christmas in all the stores, you know that Thanksgiving is very soon. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm talking about. First reading for Advent, the uh, passages today come out of Isaiah 9, 2, 6, and 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government of peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Almighty God will accomplish this. Thank you, Randy. Thank you, Stefan, so much. And thank you, Jerry. It's so good to see Lorraine and Joyce for our worship team. Wow, you guys do splendid, splendid. Well, I'd like to introduce Pastor Gary Lou, 
and he brought his beautiful wife, Janelle. And you know, I love these people because they have ministered to me on so many levels. They've been my teachers, they've been my mentors, they've been my friends. <laughs> I just saw Gary look at her like, who's she talking about? <laughs> I love you guys. Please come up and, and share the word with us as only you can. It's such a joy to be back with you. And maybe I better move this to the side. <laughs> we won't have two microphones competing with one another. Yeah, this is good enough. <laughs> I, uh, want to talk to you about the hope of Christmas. Now, as I do this, and it's the hope candle, the prophecy candle, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but actually, I'm going to be focusing in on the shepherds today. Not only the shepherds that came to see the baby Jesus, but the great shepherd himself. That baby would be the great shepherd uh, for all of us. And... Uh, Freedom and independence was the cry when Judas Maccabees led the Jewish people in a revolt against their Grecian rulers. They won <clears throat> battle after battle against unbelievable and impossible odds, recapturing Jerusalem in 165 B.C. Judas Maccabees then established the priests as rulers, and for 100 years they ruled an independent Judea. During this time, the Jewish religion flourished. Synagogues were multiplied wherever Jewish people lived. However, although the outward appearance of religion had increased, true godliness had all but disappeared. The religious leaders had become obsessed with the idea of a Messiah who would come and set up a great material kingdom of which they would benefit. They could care less about sin and righteousness. Society had become rotten with corruption within and stunk with self-righteous hypocrisy without. Below society was a large class of people for whose soul nobody cared. These were the prostitutes, the sinners, the tax collectors who were hopelessly lost. And yet in spite of their fallen condition, these were the people, the descendants of Abraham and heirs to the promise of a redeemer. God had said to this nation was to be given the perfect revelation of himself who was to be the savior of all mankind. However, in 63 BC, after 100 years of freedom, Palestine fell to the Roman conquerors. The tyranny of Rome fell as a dark shadow over the Jewish people. For them, seemingly all hope had died. And yet with wickedness on every hand, and with the devil holding the world under bondage, the time had come for the promised Messiah, the Savior of the world, to come. But who would have a heart to receive such news since God had a different plan than the religious leaders and leaders in Palestine had. But those with the right heart were a humble group, a handful of foreigners, the wise men, and then the shepherds. 
And even though we're looking at the Hope Channel, I'm going to, the Hope Candle, I'm going to focus in this morning on the shepherds, as I already mentioned. There is a separate candle for that, and I'm sure there'll be a, a different message for that. But Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. Luke chapter 2, 15 through 20. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now as we look at the heart of the shepherds, I think the first thing we notice is they had an open heart. They had an open heart. Had the angel's announcement been made to the influential people and religious leaders, they would have had a hard time with the idea of the baby, the Messiah, being born in a stable. Even today, many people stumble over the simplicity of the gospel. If they can't figure it out logically, they dismiss the reality of God coming into the world and becoming one of us. Even though if an angel had proclaimed it to them, they wouldn't have listened. They wouldn't have believed it. A church held a live nativity on their front lawn each year. and They'd been doing this for years. The live nativity would run the week before Christmas. The church was located in a busy part of town and many people would pass by and stop and look at the nativity, maybe even stop. Every year, the nativity scene got bigger and better. A bigger stable was built. More live animals were added. More characters were added each year. One year, the committee in charge decided to advertise to see if more people would drive up and even stop. The pastor knew of an older person who was a retired sign painter from the congregation who could design and paint an advertisement on a billboard near the highway. This was a great idea. Thousands of people would see it that way. The gentleman agreed to paint the huge billboard. He had always wanted to do something for the church, and uh, now he had the time to do it. This was truly going to be the best nativity they had ever had. When the billboard was completed, many people from the congregation, as well as other people from the community, went out to see it unveiled. The mayor was present along with the pastor. There was even a live remote from one of the stations. They were planning to go live at the moment it was uncovered. The junior high school band was playing Christmas carols. It was truly a magical evening as the mayor addressed the crowd that had gathered. Everyone joined in singing Away in the Manger as the time approached. The gentleman signaled for the cloth to be raised that was covering the sign. At first, there was kind of a quiet murmur that rippled through the crowd and then gasped and what sounded like a din of disapproval. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. It looked nothing like their beautiful nativity. The sign painter had painted a simple cardboard shack 
with a contemporary Joseph and Mary who look very much like the street people who live down uh, in the park not far from the church. Baby Jesus was wrapped in rags and lying in a tattered, disposable diaper box. There were no shepherds or wise men, no angels with gold-tipped wings. There was only a bag lady and a cop who had come along on a horse. I do not have to tell you, the church people were upset and even embarrassed. This was not the way it was supposed to be. They were all a respectable church with respectable members. The next day, the telephone was ringing off the hook. The church secretary was barely able to get at her desk when the phone started ringing. She was kept busy almost the entire day answering the phone. People were calling to say how much they loved the billboard. <laughs> Others called to say how meaningful it was to them. There were reporters calling from around the state who wanted to find out more about this unusual advertisement. By Thursday, the retired sign painter was an overnight celebrity. He had appeared on two national talk shows. And the most amazing thing was that the next Sunday, the church was filled to overflowing. So it is that God doesn't always do things the way we think He should. He's God. He knows best. He knows a better way. And it's up to us to have a receptive heart, an open heart, like the shepherds did. The lowly shepherds, those at the bottom of society, would receive the news of the Christ being born in a stable, and they would have receptive hearts. You know, a babe in a manger fit the shepherds perfectly. Had Jesus been born in the palace, you ever think about that? They wouldn't have been allowed in. They wouldn't have been allowed in. And so it was to the humble and poor that the proclamation came, totally bypassing the popular and proud. The lowly were the ones who would get it and hear the message and be open to it. F.B. Meyer once said, I used to think that God's gifts were on shelves one above the other, and the taller we grew as Christian in Christian character, the easier it would be to reach them. I now find that God's gifts are on shelves one beneath the other. It's not a question of growing taller, but of stooping lower. That we have to go down, always down, to get the best gifts from God. I love it in the film, The Nativity. I watch it, we have it on uh, DVD, and so I watch it almost every Christmas time. But in the film, uh, The Nativity, one of the old shepherds kneels down in front of the Christ child and he reaches out to touch the child and then suddenly pulls back feeling, oh, I'm unworthy, I can't touch that child. I love what Mary said. She said, hey, it's okay. This child is for all mankind. This child is for all mankind. Let those words sink into your heart this morning. He's for all mankind. And you can reach out today touch the heart of God. He doesn't mind a bit. In fact, he welcomes it. And then secondly, the shepherds had an enthusiastic heart. After seeing the Christ child, the shepherds began to tell everyone who would listen. They wouldn't hold back. 
They were not just a little enthusiastic, they were excited beyond measure. Oh, that we could be that excited about sharing the gospel. Why do we hold back? Maybe it's because we don't think the gospel is all that great of news. A survey was taken of Americans as to how we might get into heaven. Nine out of 10, that's 90% of Americans said, the way to get into heaven is to keep the 10 commandments, be good to our neighbor, follow the golden rule. No wonder it's hard to be excited about spreading the gospel if that's all there is to it. If it's based on do's and don'ts, it's like every other religion in the world. But it's more than do's and don'ts what makes it so exciting. You see, the gospel is not spelled D-O, do this, do that. It's not spelled D-O, it's spelled D-O-N-E, done. It's done. Jesus already paid the full price for us because He loves us so much. It's not what we do, but what He has done for us. When this truth fully gets into our hearts, then we can't help share the news, just like the shepherds. The founder of our denomination, Amy Simple McPherson, said this, you don't need to be an orator. What God wants are plain people with the good news in their hearts who are willing to tell it to others. The love of winning souls for Jesus Christ is a fire burning in one's bones. Soul winning is the most important thing in the world. All I have is on the altar for the Lord. And while I have my life and strength, I will put my whole being into the carrying out of the Great Commission. We had a, a neat thing happen this year that really touched my heart. Our uh, grandson, he's a senior this year at Eureka High. And... Uh, he played basketball, though, although he was told that he was too little to play basketball. But we just found out yesterday he got special mention among the top players in the league. <laughs> he is little, but he has all heart. And uh, But when in the, I think all the schools do this, they have a senior night when they honor all the seniors that will be graduating at the end of the year. In other words, they won't be back another year. They have the family march out on the field with them and stuff. And we marched out and, uh, you know, and what they did was the announcer would read what they had written. They'd written a special thing. They wanted to acknowledge certain people, the sports they played and stuff. And so, uh, Came time, we, we marched out and the other grandparents and stuff along with our grandson. And uh, suddenly, the announcer began to announce Jordan. The very first thing he said, I want to thank my Lord Jesus Christ. That was before probably 800 people, almost the entire student body and stuff. And he wanted to thank God first. Uh, my daughter was a little mad at me because I wasn't smiling. Heck, I was just trying to hold back the tears and stuff. But the excitement in sharing Jesus, and they love him there. He even got elected uh, junior junior prom king and, and some other honors and stuff. So it was uh, quite a testimony to give before all of his peers and the parents and families and stuff. May God give us an enthusiastic heart like that. Yeah. Just like the shepherds. 
so long ago. They were so excited to tell the news. And then thirdly, the shepherds had a grateful heart. They praised and glorified God for what they had seen and heard. I don't know if you know this, but Christmas time can be the most stressful time of the year because of all the hustle and bustle. Actually, and this is a known proven fact, more people suffer depression between the time between Thanksgiving and Christmas than any other time of the year. A lot of things probably contribute to that. Uh, demands on our time, our pocketbook, maybe loneliness. And then too, quite often, there are expectations we have about Christmas that don't materialize. They don't turn out the way we think they should. In the midst of it all, though, we need to have a grateful heart. The shepherds were fearful when the angel appeared, but before long, that all changed, and they were glorifying God. They were glorifying God. Mildred Morris writes, many years ago, when the 20th century and I were young, my father pastored a small church in Georgia. We loved the town and the people, but Papa's salary of $100 a month was stretched beyond the breaking point. Christmas for our family would have been bleak if Papa's brother, Robert, hadn't always sent us a $500 check on the 1st of December. Just before my seventh Christmas, Uncle Robert's letter arrived on schedule. In our usual ritual, Mama and we children gathered around Papa's chair as he opened the envelope, but this time it was not as usual. Papa gasped when he read in a shaky voice, Dear George, it seems to me such an impersonal thing just to mail you a check at Christmas, so I'm sending gifts which I hope you will enjoy. Love, Robert. We were stunned. Papa hid his dismay, but Mama couldn't help crying. On Christmas, we opened Uncle Robert's box of gifts. I, a tomboy, received a sissy doll. My brother Rob, marble champ of the fifth grade, got a telescope. Uh, Papa's gift was a leisure jacket, and leisure was one thing he had less of than money. Mama's gift was a shocker, a big alligator handbag. Even I could see she'd look strange with a bag like the one the banker's wife carried around. When the last gift had been opened, Papa rose to his feet. I'm sure each field that Uncle Robert has disappointed us, he said, but if we find our gifts a little apart from our interests, we can also realize they can open new doors. Mildred's doll, perhaps, will eventually lead her into an interest in the domestic arts. Rob's telescope can lift his eyes out of the sand at the playground and to the stars. Mama's magnificent bag can add a touch of elegance to what I'm afraid is a pretty dreary wardrobe. <laughs> and my leisure jacket will inspire me to take time away from my busy schedule. Each of us began to see our gifts and the giver in a fresh vision. Love came into the room as almost a visible presence. But joy and amazement came when Mama reached into her handbag and came out with a $500 check. So the father began to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And it was the best of Christmases. 
The truth of the matter is we all have so much to thank and praise God for, even during the difficult times, even during the times of disappointment. In the end, with God, we always win. We don't realize it sometimes, but we always win. Don't allow the craziness of the season to rob the joy of what it's really all about. And then fourthly, the shepherds had a compassionate heart. It's kind of like the story of the Grinch who stole Christmas. I'm sure you're all familiar with that. And the Grinch, with his Grinch feet ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling, how could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. And then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, that the Grinch's small heart grew three times that day. Matthew chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Matthew 18, verses 10 through 14. See that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you, their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine? I think we sang that in the song today about his marvelous love. On the hills and go and look for the one that, that wandered off. And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he is happier about the one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should be the lost. A shepherd owns the sheep, therefore he will go after it when it's lost. He's not a hireling. He has a binding interest in the sheep. He realizes as long as the sheep is away from the fold, he is in incredibly dangerous position. There was a mentally retarded boy once who lived in a town that every year they held a Christmas party for all the children in the town. And uh, they would have packages for all the children. And they even had a man dressed up like Santa Claus to hand out the packages. There was a huge Christmas tree and all. It finally came time to hand out the presents. And the mentally retarded boy anxiously awaited the time when he would receive his present. Finally, it appeared though that Santa passed out all the gifts under the Christmas tree that there were none left. And the retarded boy was just about ready to give up in despair when Santa went around behind the tree and brought out the biggest package of all, wrapped in the most beautiful wrapping paper that retarded lad had ever seen. And with great excitement, when the name was read and it was his name, he ran forward to receive the gift he tore off that paper and tore open the box. But when he did so, a great look of disappointment came over his face. For the box was empty. He reached down into every corner of that box, trying to get something for himself for Christmas. But it was to no avail. There was nothing in the box. It had all been a trick, a joke, that they had played on him. 
And the other children laughed and laughed at him as he walked out of the room with head hanging. He knew they had played him for a fool. They had played him for a fool. You know, when you think about, that was a dirty, mean, low, down, ugly, horrible, rotten trick to play on that poor, retarded lad. And of all times, at Christmas, what a horrible thing to do. But I want to tell you something this morning. Satan is playing that same trick on millions upon millions upon millions of people around the world today. He offers us beautiful packages like fame and popularity, money, pleasure, and you can go on and name it. We can give our lives for these things only to realize in the end that we are left with nothing but an empty heart. King Solomon had all these things and wrote in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 2. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. And then in the end, after we give our lives for these things that don't matter, that don't satisfy, in the end, the devil turns on us and he begins to laugh us to scorn. And he said, I offered you a beautiful package, but there was nothing in it. And you took it and gave your life for it. I played you for the fool. Millions of people around the world this morning, that's what he's doing to them. But you know, that's not the end of the story. When we are lost and beaten, the compassionate shepherd comes after us. Although the NIV translation leaves out Matthew 18 and verse 11 because it's not found in all the ancient manuscripts, the New King James Version, the translators there, decided to put it in. For the Son of Man has come to seek and save, which was lost. And even if it doesn't belong, still, uh, the idea is certainly there in the text. A similar verse in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 does affirm it. For the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Every single one of us at some point in our lives. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, gone his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. But the glory of Christmas is that Jesus came to the rescue as the good shepherd. He came to find us and rescue us. He loves us that much. And to him, one lost person is more important than the 90 and 9, safe in the fold. He'll come after that lost person, no matter what. My wife and I were at the doctor's office. This was several months ago. And we were waiting when they would call us in and stuff. But they called this other lady in. And as she passed us, she said, this getting old is the pits. <laughs> and any of you that are older here, I think you could say amen to that. <laughs> oh, man, you aches and pains and stuff like that. And more sickness than usual. And you slow down. It gets a little harder. De we were decorating our house for Christmas. And uh, every year it gets harder and harder as the years pass. But... Uh, you think of all of that, and you I don't know about this being old, but there's one blessing about being old that surpasses all the aches and pains, and it's called this, grandchildren. <laughs> grandchildren. Yes, yes, yes. 
I like how Chuck Smith put it best. He said, grandchildren are the greatest of God's creation. <laughs> or as someone else put it, I thought I knew everything about love. And then I had grandkids, <laughs> went to a new level. If children, as the psalmist said, are the blessing of the Lord, then grandkids must be kind of a double blessing. Those of you who have grandkids may say amen to that. Ken Davis, the comedian, certainly felt that way. He tells how during the first year of her life, their granddaughter was in their home in Colorado almost every day. But then their son-in-law got a better job offer in Nashville, Tennessee, and he had the audacity, along with my daughter, to take our granddaughter with them. Well, as a Christian comedian, he wasn't tied down to a particular location. He traveled all over, and so Ken's wife suggested that they move from Colorado to Nashville to be near their granddaughter. However, he liked his home in Colorado and refused. The wife replied, well, at least think about it. He was flying to Thailand and so had a lot of time on his hands, a long, long, long flight. And he decided to take out a piece of paper and on one side he began to list all the reasons for staying in Colorado. And boy, it was a big list. The beautiful Rocky Mountains, the fishing, the hunting, not many bugs. Nashville had a lot of bugs and he hated bugs. Their lovely home in Colorado and the list went on and on. And then he turned the page over and he began to list the reasons for leaving Colorado and going to Nashville. He wrote down the name of his granddaughter. He turned the page over a few times and here, then the one reason to move to Nashville overpowered everything on the other side of the page. They would move to Nashville because of their granddaughter. In a similar manner, I think there was a time when Jesus sat up in heaven and he looked down and he thought, man, I don't want to come to planet Earth. And he listed all the reasons maybe for staying in heaven, be near the heavenly Father and the angels around the throne, the glory, the mansions, the streets of gold, no suffering or pain, no death. And the list probably went on and on and on. But then, Jesus wrote down your name, and that was all it took. He was coming to our world because He would rather face all the inconveniences, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, than to bear the thought of being in heaven for an eternity without you. He wrote down your name. That's what Jesus coming to earth and Christmas is really all about. He came because of you. He loves you that much. Could we pray? Dear Lord, I, I come to you this morning. And I don't know what people are going through in the congregation. Maybe a few I do, but... Lord, you know their hearts. Help them to receive the hope of Christmas today. That you came for them, and if you'd been the only one, you still would have come. Lord, I just pray that you'll surround these people in your arms of love and encourage. Reckless love. Man, you came and you suffered.
tremendously for doing so. And you could have stayed in heaven, but Lord, because of each one here, you decided, no, I'm coming and I'm facing whatever so that I can touch and draw them and save them and rescue them because we're all like sheep that have gone astray. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know, maybe every head bowed and every eye closed just for a moment. I don't know, you know, what you're going or where you're standing today. Maybe you're one of those people that have kind of been giving your life for the wrong things. But God has speak to your heart today and say, I have something so much better. So much better. And you'd like to receive that better by knowing Jesus Christ in a greater way. And if that's your case, I'd like to include one more prayer. If you just raise your hand, eyes closed, nobody looking around, and saying, I, I want to make Jesus truly Lord of my life during this Christmas season above everything else. Lord, we just thank you for these. And Lord, we all want to be closer to you this season. That's what it's really all about. Yes, I love the decorations, but it's about you. And you loving us so much that you were willing to come. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much and touch every life here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.